Hour number two on a Monday morning on the morning after is now set to begin. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. In our first hour, we look back on the weekend, the NFL Sunday slate, postseason baseball. In an hour number two, it's all about college football. Week number seven of the CFB slate had tons of intrigue, including a huge upset and then some big breaking news on our Sunday, yesterday, across the college football landscape. So helping me in this second hour to go through each and every single part of it, it is SportsGrid CFB analyst Joe Lisi, the host of College Football Today, each and every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, getting you set for your college football day. And then he gets things going from a live perspective, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on in-game live as well to give you the in-game live betting expertise and the opportunities that are out there. Joe Lisi, a pleasure to have you back on the morning after to talk all things CFB here on a Monday. Oh, looking forward to it, Ben. What a weekend of college football. Amazing. I can't believe the season is already entering week number eight this coming weekend. We're setting setting the stage for a final stretch run in late October, November. Buckle up. It's going to be very interesting over the next month and a half. Joe, this is where things get good. We are deep into the conference slate now where truly impactful games are happening on a weekly basis it was a great conference game and a great conference victory for lsu at home on saturday the tigers knocking off and upsetting 20th ranked florida at the time 49 42 in baton rouge down there in death valley a big win as a 12 and a half point underdog but even that win not enough to calm the waters around the lsu football program because yesterday on a Sunday afternoon, we got breaking news out of Baton Rouge. Ed Ogeron, the head coach of the LSU Tigers, will not return at the conclusion of this 2021 season. Ed O is gone from Baton Rouge. Joe, what did you make of the breaking news yesterday about Coach O? Go Tigers. No longer being able to say, go Tigers, at the end of this season. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I think I think the writing was on the wall, Ben. Last year, after the disappointing performance, five and five overall, they had to win two games down the stretch just to finish 500. The 607 yard performance against Mike Leach, week number one. There were a lot of circumstances that had the fan base very unpleased in terms of the Tigers' performance. Now they won a national championship a couple of years ago with Joe Burrow and the crew in dominating fashion. But the LSU standard is to compete with Alabama each and every year. And if you go back to that game in Baton Rouge last year, they were basically a 30 and a half point underdog and got blown out of the water. And then when you follow that up, we're already a week one loss to UCLA and three losses in 2021. I think a change had to be made in Baton Rouge. Now it's going to be interesting in terms of who do they turn to to possibly, you know, lead the Tigers in 2022. Is it possibly Urban Meyer? You never know. You never do know. There's a, a lot of names being thrown out there right now, Joe Lisi. And the reports out of LSU is that no name, maybe outside of Nick Saban, who was the former head coach at LSU, or maybe a guy like Kirby Smart from Georgia, is too big. Jimbo Fisher is being tossed out there. Mel Tucker from Michigan State. You could look across the gamut as well. Some other schools in Louisiana. Billy Napier, the head coach of Louisiana. There will be a lot of names circulated around this new head coaching vacancy for LSU. But like 
life certainly comes at you fast as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after on a monday a college football hour you are listening on sirius xm channel 204 the mightier 1090 out on the west coast i am ben stevens joined by joe lisi for the second hour i was saying life comes at you fast not just because it's the second hour of the morning after on a monday but for ed ogeron the now former or current head coach depending on how you think of it for lsu will no longer be the head coach at the end of this year he won a national championship just two seasons ago with lsu in 2019 but five and five like joe mentioned last year in the 2020 season tons of opt-outs tons of player turnover in the last two years four and three straight up so far this year but just three and four against the spread not covering by an average margin of three points per game joe and this is an lsu team that had high hopes for this 2021 campaign with so much talent returning a team win total of eight on the FanDuel Sportsbook entering the year with the over juiced to minus 135. So it's been slightly disappointing for LSU. And then quickly, Joe, as we look ahead to Saturday, the Tigers, a 10 and a half point favorite, or excuse me, a 10 and a half point underdog on the road in Oxford, Mississippi against the 12th ranked running Rebs. How do you think LSU responds now with the news about Coach Show heading into Saturday's matchup against Ole Miss? Well, they were definitely into that matchup against Florida. I mean, to force four turnovers, they had to pick six. Ty Davis-Price with 287 rushing yards on the ground, three touchdowns. That was an offense that was only only averaging three yards per carry. You could tell that the kids sort of knew their writing was on the wall in the game against Florida. This is going to be more difficult because of Matt Corral going to challenge that inexperienced secondary vertically. That's why they're 10.5-point underdogs early on. But this game was one of the most entertaining last year. Max Johnson and the crew did pick up a gutty win in Baton Rouge last year. So we'll see how it plays out. Early on, I give the edge to Ole Miss in that ballgame. Yeah, Ole Miss, a 10.5-point favorite at home. The over-under total for any Ole Miss game and maybe now for any LSU game after putting up 49 this past weekend is at 76.5 for the Rebs and the Tigers on Saturday in Oxford. So that's the breaking news out of the Southeastern Conference. It was not a great weekend in the Big Ten Conference, especially for the number two team, the former number two team in the country, the Iowa Hawkeyes. We look back on the weekend of the Big Ten up next here on the morning after. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com College football during hour number two of the morning after here on a Monday. Sirius XM Channel 204 all across the Sports Grid Network in this second hour with Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. And we talked about the news yesterday out of Baton Rouge. Coach Ed Ogeron will no longer be the head coach for the LSU Tigers at the conclusion of this 2021 season. Now time, Joe, to transition into the action that happened on Saturday. And probably the biggest upset we have seen this year outside of Alabama losing to Texas A&M two Saturdays ago. On this Saturday, it was the number two team in the country, the Iowa Hawkeyes, at home as an 11.5-point favorite, losing outright to the Purdue Boilermakers in a game really throughout, Joe, 
Purdue dominated. They win this game 24 to 7 on the road in Kinnick Stadium and looked very impressive in doing so, both offensively and then defensively in the issues that have plagued Iowa all season long. The inability to find any kind of spark offensively reared their ugly heads in a big way at home on Saturday. So number two, Iowa goes down, Joe. What was your biggest takeaway from that game on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, the fact that Iowa and Spencer Petras had no attack in terms of the air whatsoever. Four interceptions. Mm-hmm. This was a team in Purdue that won the ball game last year, 24-20. to 20. And more importantly, we heard everybody say the emotional letdown for possibly Texas A&M that knocked off Alabama in dominating fashion in College Station. Nobody seemed to mention that Iowa was potentially on an upset alert against Purdue. I mean, it was out there, but it wasn't as prevalent as Texas A&M on the road in Missouri. And when you look at Aiden O'Connell, 375 passing yards, and David Bell, a school record, 11 receptions, 240 receiving yards. That's the way you have to beat Iowa. You have to challenge that secondary vertically. We saw it in the first half with Sean Clifford and Jahad Dotson for Penn State. Purdue put together a complete game, and they deserve to win that ball game this past Saturday in Iowa City. David Bell, Joe, has absolutely torched Iowa in his three years on campus in West Lafayette. In his freshman year back in 2019, he had 13 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Last year in 2020, in that season opener, 13 grabs, 121 yards, three receiving touchdowns. On Saturday in Iowa City, 11 catches, 240 yards, like you mentioned, and a touchdown against a really good Iowa defense who that had been the calling card all year long for Iowa. Turn the ball over, set up your offense in a short field, but if you couldn't set up those short field advantages, then how would the Hawkeyes muster up the offense? They didn't. Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator for the Iowa Hawkeyes, the uh, son of head coach Kirk Ferentz and the OC, really struggled in that game. A couple of questionable calls. Iowa, only seven points. A bottom 20 team in total offense in the entire country, only averaging 311 yards per game. That's the second worst total offense in all of the Big Ten Conference. Also, 115th out of 130 schools that play FBS-level football in terms of yards per play. Four and a half yards per play for the Iowa Hawkeyes. 115th out of 130 teams. That's not necessarily the number two team in the country. And when the Iowa defense can't take the ball away, then the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to struggle. Joe, no odds up right now for the Big Ten Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But entering Saturday's game against the Purdue Boilermakers, Iowa was 40-1 to to win the college football playoff national championship. Now, their odds increasing in a double-so fashion. 80-1 to on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It seems like Iowa's prospects of contending for a national championship, of contending for a spot in the college football playoff, are now gone and out the window after an upset loss to Purdue, who, Joe, in the Big Ten West, it is going to be fascinating to watch. Purdue will have a shot at the title. Iowa will still be in contention. Wisconsin is now back from the dead. Minnesota, after the upset win over Nebraska on Saturday, has a shot because the Gophers have already beat the Boilermakers of Purdue. So the Big Ten West is going to be fascinating to watch, Joe Lisi, throughout the entirety of the rest of this Big Ten football campaign. In the other division, in the Big Ten East, it was ugly on the road in Bloomington on Saturday for the Michigan State Spartans, but they do prevail, winning 20-15. to They now advance 
to a 7-0 perfect record remaining unbeaten this season, way over their team win total of 4.5, even hitting the margin that I gave them, Joe Lisi, a 7-win team back when I said in the middle of May Michigan State would win 7 games. Well, through 7 games, MSU has already won 7. They are also 5-1-1 against the numbers because they did cover in an ugly way against an Indiana team, a spread of about 3.5, 4.5. Michigan State winning by 5 on the road in Bloomington. Now, Joe, here's where I think Michigan State goes. They enter a bye week, and then October 30th, two Saturdays from now, Halloween weekend, the Spartans will host Michigan at home. There is a potential for that matchup to be a battle of unbeatens between the two bitter rivals in the state of Michigan. That's what Michigan State has on the docket, an impressive 7-0 start to this season. Yeah, great call by you because I didn't see that coming in terms of Mel Tucker in year number two. This was a team that actually struggled running the football. Kenneth Walker stepped up this year, the Wake Forest transfer. I mean, look at that ball game this past Saturday in Bloomington. The offense was basically very conservative early on. Indiana stepped up, contained Kenneth Walker, but it was the defense that did get a pick six to really change the landscape of that ball game. They trailed for much of the first half, nine to seven made second-half adjustments. Peyton Thrown came through. Kenneth Walker did come through in the second half with 86 rushing yards on 26 carries. This is a team that's playing with house money right now. They're a confident group, very disciplined. They force turnovers. And, Ben, they remind me of the 2015 team that made it to the Big Ten Championship game with Connor Cook against Iowa. They won that ball game to claim the Big Ten title 16-13, to this is definitely a good group. Now, are they an elite group? We'll see in a couple of weeks, but they did knock off Michigan last year as a 25-and-a-half-point underdog in Ann Arbor. was a very good game. you got to give the inside edge to the Spartans in that matchup now playing in East Lansing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, the over-under for this past Saturday's game against IU was 48-and-a-half. It fell way under with a final score of 20-15 to 15 for the seven games for MSU this year have hit to the under. And you talk about that offense, Joe Lisi, that wasn't certainly there on Saturday. Indiana outgained the Spartans 322 total yards to 241. Yet, Michigan State, all that matters, they get a win. They leave Bloomington a perfect 7-0. They are still... 100 to 1 right now to win the national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That is the fifth best odds of any team out of the Big Ten Conference, still behind teams like Penn State, who has a loss, behind Iowa, who has a loss. And I mentioned the potential of an unbeaten matchup against Michigan Saturday, October 30th in East Lansing. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Michigan, the only two, the only team out of these two teams from Michigan in action this weekend, the Wolverines, a 21 and a half point favorite against Northwestern on Saturday. So it seems like we will have a battle of perfect undefeated teams in two Saturdays from now, October 30th, between Michigan and Michigan State. Quickly here, Joe Lisi, what would you set the line for that game if you had to at home in East Lansing, Michigan State and Michigan? I would make Michigan maybe a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that ballgame. I think that, you know, still Michigan will get the money. They're looked at and viewed at as the potential stronger team, higher AP ranking. So I would set it at one-and-a-half to the highest. I wouldn't set them at a, at a field goal right now. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think that's probably a pretty solid line at this moment. It is going to be a rivalry game that has a lot of chatter from both sides. If you get into the depths of Michigan and Michigan State Twitter – Ooh, they can go at it pretty much on a weekly basis, let alone game week in a battle of perfect teams that could enter that game both 
at unbeaten 7-0 records. We will see what happens in East Lansing two Saturdays from now. Again, Michigan in action this Saturday. Michigan State on the bye. The Wolverines, a 21.5-point favorite against Northwestern. It's a great time of year in college football as we are in the conference schedules to look at how things are shaking up along the conferences. So we do that next in two different conferences, the ACC and the Big 12, to see where things stand after seven weeks of this college football season. A couple of big games in both of these conferences on the horizon. We look back on the weekend that was. That's coming up next here on The Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Stay with us on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. I am your host, Ben Stevens, and for this second hour, talking all things college football, I am joined by Joe Lisi. And Joe, let's go around the conferences from across the country and look back on the Saturday slate throughout CFB because there were some games that really set the stage for the rest of the way here in conference action. That's where we are. Really, conference matchups through the end of this season. A couple of non-con games sprinkled in there, but it will be this conference matchups that decide the fate not only of conference championship games, but of the college football playoff as well. And right now in the ACC, there's a team that not a lot of people look to early in the year that is making some noise. It is the Pittsburgh Panthers and Pitt in a huge game that had huge implications for the ACC Coastal Division on Saturday in Blacksburg, Virginia, in Lane Stadium against the Virginia Tech Hokies. Pittsburgh gets a big win, beating Va Tech 28-7. They cover as three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half point favorites as that line was steamed up. For me, it was personally a very bad beat as Pitt's team total was 30-and-a-half. I love the over for the third-best scoring team in the country. They had 28 points with nine minutes remaining in the third quarter. And then Kenny Pickett and company did not score again. But I will put that to the side here, Joe, <laughs> as Pittsburgh is looking pretty good right now in contention for an ACC title. Do you think the Panthers have a real shot of being an ACC champion when all is said and done? I do, but I think they go down this coming weekend to the Clemson Tigers, and they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. When was the, we talk about Alabama being an underdog? When was the last time Clemson was an underdog, especially in conference play? Got to go back a long time. I think when you look at this performance – for me, on the road in Blacksburg, this is a Virginia Tech team that had a disappointing loss the week the week before against Notre Dame, dropped on a last-second field goal, 32-29. to The way Pittsburgh was able to move the football through the air on that secondary, that was a solid defense by Virginia Tech, holding opposing offenses, entering that ballgame to right in the area of about 28% on third-down conversions. They opened up a 21-point first-half lead. Their defense held Braxton Burmeister in that offense in check much of the way forced turnovers that was a dominant effort and when you think about the level of competition entering that ball game ben pitt did dominate umass they dominated g tech they also dominated new hampshire respectively the body of work or resume up until that point wasn't as strong so that was a quality road win for pat narduzzi and the crew that being said more difficult in the second half of the year they're going to need their a game to knock off the clemson tigers in heinz field 
Yeah, Pittsburgh's still the fifth best scoring offense in the country, averaging 42.6 points per game. It's because their quarterback right now, Kenny Pickett, is a Heisman candidate, truly. Tied for the fourth shortest odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to strike the pose in early December. He is 20-1 to right now on FanDuel. On Saturday against the Hokies, 22-37, 203 yards and two touchdowns. Joe, I mentioned the team total did not hit. It was also the first game for Pitt this year that did not hit to the over. Five of their six games over Saturday against Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium did not hit to that over. We will talk about that game this upcoming Saturday against the Clemson Tigers in just a little bit. But I think Pittsburgh is set up very well to make a run through the Coastal to at least get to the ACC championship game because they are the only unbeaten team in the Coastal Division right now, a perfect 2-0. They still have North Carolina and Miami and the like on the docket, but a great start to ACC Conference play right now for the Pitt Panthers. And again, as always, a shout-out to our guy, Josh Graham, a radio host down there in the triad in North Carolina, the only media member brave enough to pick the Pittsburgh Panthers to win the Coastal Division in the ACC preseason poll Entering this season, looking very, very good right now. I look forward to seeing what the updated ACC Conference Championship odds will be for this huge game this upcoming Saturday against the Clemson Tigers. Now, Joe, as we move to the Big 12, a couple of really big games across the Big 12 Conference this weekend. It was a top 25 battle in Austin, Texas, between the unbeaten Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Texas Longhorns on Saturday. The Cowboys were getting four and a half on the road as the unbeaten team as the underdogs in Oklahoma State wins outright knocking off Texas 32 to 24 so Mike Gundy and company still unbeaten improving to a perfect 6-0 record this year straight up 4-2 against the spread of course they cover as a four and a half point underdog against the Texas Longhorns on Saturday how legitimate Joe do you think Oklahoma State is this season I think they're very legitimate, and you have to take into account, in order to win on the road, you have to do two things, Ben. You need to force turnovers. You need to be able to run the football consistently, and even though they fell behind in that ballgame to Casey Thompson and B. John Robinson, they did not turn away from their offensive philosophy of pounding the rock between the tackles with Jalen Warren. Let's not forget that that defense last year was number one in FBS in third down defense, holding opposing offenses to 20 six percent of their third down attempts they're stepping up this year right in the area of about 29 percent forced critical turnovers in the second half and they got consistent quarterback play out of their quarterback spencer sanders in the second half this seems like a destined team they do not get phased from opponents i mean they just go about their business they go about their philosophy they're not as explosive as they were last year in terms of what those playmakers tylen wallace and dylan stoner in that attack but they have some offensive linemen that can wear down opposing defenses at the point of attack i i will be uh, i tell you what this coming weekend will be the test. They're seven-point mm. underdogs in back-to-back road games against Iowa State. This is a team that they won last year in Stillwater, 24-21. to But this is a tall order to win in names in back-to-back weeks. If they can get through this gauntlet, I think they're a legitimate contender to challenge the Oklahoma Sooners. 
Joe Lisi is prepared. He has looked at the rundown for this Monday edition of the morning after because the two games he mentioned off of Pittsburgh's win and off, for, off of Oklahoma State's win are the two games that we will discuss in our next segment, looking at some of the more marquee and impactful matchups of this week eight slate in college football. We will talk about Pittsburgh and Clemson, and we will talk about Oklahoma State and Iowa State, two huge games in the two conferences of the ACC and the Big 12. But Joe, like you mentioned, Oklahoma State has been getting it done defensively so far this year. A top 25 scoring defensive unit in all of college football, and they only allowed Texas to score seven points in that second half. And in fact, Texas did not score in the final 23 minutes pretty much of that game. It was an early score in that third quarter, and then they got shut down throughout the rest of that game. Oklahoma State coming back, outscoring UT 19-7 in the second half. Texas has a problem with holding up in second half leads. They were up 38 to 20 over Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry two Saturdays ago. OU outscored them 35 to 10. They were up at the break this past week against Oklahoma State. The Cowboys outscoring the Longhorns 19 to 7. So a huge win for Oklahoma State, a perfect 6 and 0 record and right now the seventh shortest odds to win the college football playoff national championship on FanDuel at 60 to 1 when you compare that to Oklahoma. OU is 20 to 1 and OU is still 20 to 1 because they remain unbeaten but it was Caleb Williams that got the start Saturday night for Lincoln Riley and the Sooners against TCU and it was the freshman Caleb Williams who put on an absolute show 295 passing yards through the air four passing touchdowns also ran in a score and had I believe 66 yards on the ground as well Oklahoma and Caleb Williams, that offense, Joe, looking explosive once again. They put up 35 points in that second half against Texas two weeks ago and then to put up 52 against TCU with Caleb Williams under center. Shows you what about where the Sooners stand right now after week seven of the college football season. Yeah, great point, Ben. Oklahoma is starting to find their stride, right? It started last week against Texas, down 28-7 to in the second half. Kennedy Brooks, the offensive line, wore down Texas at the point of attack. The defense stepped up. They were opportunistic. And you see the added dimension that Caleb Williams brings that offense. A little bit different with Spencer Rattler. The RPO game is more in effect, more like what they had with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts at the helm. This is now an offense that defenses have to account for every player, they now have defeated T TCU eight straight years. They won that ball game last year, 33 to 14 in Fort Worth. Followed it up with a 21 dominating performance in Norman. I got to be honest with you, they're hitting their stride at just the right time. If they can run the table in the Big 12, I think they're going to be a serious threat to to potentially knock off a team in the semifinals should they get to the college football playoff. Yeah, the defense has always been the question, but it was the offense early on this year that you're like, where is this team? Lincoln Riley is this offensive guru, a mastermind of sorts. Well, Caleb Williams, at least in about six quarters of football, is starting to show where that offense could potentially go for the Oklahoma Sooners. It was a huge performance. Five touchdowns total for Caleb Williams. I believe that is the most a true freshman has ever had in his first start in an Oklahoma Sooners jersey for OU on Saturday night. So you look at Oklahoma right now. There was a lot of questions around this team, Joe, despite being unbeaten, despite having a perfect record. They are 7-0, only 3-4 and against the spread, but they have covered in two straight games. They covered as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite against TCU and covered in Dallas two weekends ago in the Red River rivalry against the Texas Longhorns. Currently on FanDuel, 
20 to 1 to win the national championship. That's where they were entering the weekend as well. And when you look back at the latest rounds of odds we had for the college football playoff to make the playoff, OU was minus 160. And in the latest Big 12 championship odds we had, OU was minus 150 as the heavy odds on favorite to win that conference. I agree with you, Joe Lisi. If Oklahoma wins the Big 12 conference, they are going to be in the college football playoff in my mind, but they still have a couple of tests to go, including Bedlam to end out the year against another perfect team in the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So Joe alluded to it. We'll talk about two huge matchups this upcoming Saturday because it's never too early to get ahead of the line. Oklahoma State, Iowa State in the Big 12, Clemson and Pittsburgh in the ACC. Also a look at the latest AP poll. That's next here on The Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204, right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204, all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. In this second hour of TMA on a Monday, it has been all about college football. Helping us do just that, Joe Lisi, the Sports Grid CFB analyst, the host of College Football Today every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern. Also, you can catch him on Pro Football Full Circle, College Football Full Circle, starting at noon Eastern time each and every weekday on Sirius XM channel 204 so joe we looked back on the weekend before we look forward to week number eight in this upcoming saturday and a couple of marquee matchups on the docket let's also take a look at the latest ap poll that was what was released yesterday afternoon no changes at the top in terms of the number one overall team still unanimous the georgia bulldogs the number one team in the country blowing out kentucky at home on saturday a backdoor cover and a backdoor over a team total for kentucky but georgia still looking very dominant against the wildcats then because iowa goes down cincinnati moves up to the number two team in the country number three is oklahoma alabama back to that number four spot ohio state who was on a bye last week is number five two other big 10 teams michigan and penn state six and seven oklahoma state unbeaten ranked eighth Michigan State unbeaten, ranked ninth. Oregon rounds out the top 10. You'll also see a couple of teams you might not have seen before, including UTSA, ranked for the first time in program history, checking in at number 24. Pittsburgh into the top 25. Purdue off the upset win of Iowa. Back into the top 25 in the AP poll for the first time since 2007. So, Joe, that's how the AP poll looks. We talk about the AP poll because there are a couple of really, really big games in a couple of conferences this upcoming Saturday that we should dive into. And let's start with Oklahoma State, ranked eighth in the country against Iowa State this Saturday in Ames. Like you mentioned, Iowa State, the favorite in this ballgame right now at home, despite the fact the Cowboys are the eighth-ranked team in the country in a perfect 6-0 straight up. Oklahoma State 4-2 against the spread, Iowa State has been booked as a favorite 
in every single game this year. So, Joe, as you quickly approach this matchup, as we get ahead of the line looking forward to Saturday, how do you break down this matchup between the Cyclones and the Cowboys? Well, I think from the emotional aspect, Ben, it's going to be very difficult for Oklahoma State because it is back-to-back road games. When you look at that line, for me right now, I mean, the most intriguing aspect is that Iowa State on the money line is a 3-1 to one favorite over a team that mm-hmm. they lost to last year in Stillwater. Now, from the public perception, I mean, Oklahoma State's playing as well as anybody in, in college football right now like I mentioned they're running the football with Jalen Warren they're opportunistic on the defensive side of the ball they're not as explosive as they were last year but again we're talking about an Iowa State team up until this point that is still inconsistent now Iowa State did get a 13 point win over Kansas State and Skylar Thompson they're going to need the passing attack with Brock Purdy early on and I'm going to be breaking down this game later tonight I mean, I would give the inside edge to Oklahoma State, but that line, to me, from the betting aspect, has me buying into Iowa State as a home favorite. Yeah, I think when you look at this right now and you're seeing that six-and-a-half-point number on the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think you could also look to the over-under of 46-and-a-half. First, let's start with Iowa State, though, because they are 4-2 and two straight up this year, just 3-3 three and three against the spread, two straight covers, but against Kansas State and then Kansas, who is at the bottom of the Big 12 Conference. So how much confidence does that inspire out of the Cyclones who came into this year, Joe, ranked ninth in the country, had incredibly high hopes after the best finish of a season in football history for Iowa State last year in 2020. It has been slightly disappointing, losing to the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Cyhawk game back in week number two, then losing to Baylor in week number four of this college football season. It hasn't exactly been the best start for Iowa State, but they do bring a little bit of momentum into this game, and that's why I think you see them as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Oklahoma State, despite the fact the Cowboys are perfect and also won outright as an underdog on the road in Austin, Texas, this past Saturday against the Longhorns as well. Then you look at that over-under total, 46-and-a-half. Seems a little bit low for an Iowa State team that is the sixth best team in college football right now in terms of, or seventh best team, excuse me, in terms of yards per play can be rather explosive. 6.8 is their average in terms of yards per, yards per play. That's the seventh best number in all of college football. Also the 18th best total offense in all of college football, averaging more than 458 yards per game is this Iowa State offense we talk about what Oklahoma State has been defensively holding teams to just under 21 points per game Iowa State is also up there as well the 14th best scoring defense in the country only allowing their opponents to score 17.6 points per game so you look at the over under total it begs a defensive battle in Ames on Saturday at 46 and a half and then you have that spread of six and a half in favor of Iowa State that would be an indication to me Joe that The book expects Iowa State to control this game. Really, from start to finish, the Cyclones should be in control based on the numbers. I'm not so sure I see that. I think it's going to be close throughout. Could Iowa State use a late score to go over that, uh, to cover that spread? Maybe, but I think I would give it to the, the edge to the Cowboys right now just based on the number and getting six and a half points. 
Yeah, I mean, it is an, an interesting cap in terms of how we break this game down. A couple of years ago in Ames, Iowa, Oklahoma State did get the victory. Tylen Wallace had a big day. They were an underdog in that matchup and actually pulled that victory out by seven points, were opportunistic and scored off of turnovers. In last se season's game in Stillwater, it was 45 total points. They contained Brock Purdy. It was a lower-scoring game. And when you look at this matchup in, in, on the road, Spencer Sanders is going to have to make plays not with his legs, but through the air in this ball game. Yeah. Can they do that if Iowa State stacks the box? I think you, when you look at Oklahoma State, if you're backing them, you're not fearful, really, of Iowa State's perimeter wide receivers. Xavier Hutchinson, Charlie Kohler, the tight end. They're good, but they're not elite in terms of speed. And that's the one thing I think Oklahoma State can keep Iowa State's offense in front of them and force them to work down the field methodically. So that would tend to lean to the under. It might be a lower scoring game like we've seen in games against Baylor and also Boise State. They can grind out maybe a one or a three-point win. It is an interesting cap. Early on, just from the spread, I would lean to Iowa State, but I haven't made a final assessment in terms of who I like in this ballgame. Yeah, and that's why we're doing this here, even on a Monday morning, looking ahead to Saturday of this college football weekend in week number eight, because where might this line go, depending on how things move in the market, for what will be a really big matchup in the Big 12? Iowa State and Oklahoma State might not be two of the most premier programs in all of college football, but I think a lot of focus will be put on this game throughout this week in the college football circle, Joe Lisi. So I think you might see this game as teams look at Oklahoma State and go, oh, that's a perfect 6-0 team against an Iowa State team that's been slightly disappointing this year. Might Oklahoma State get some public money as this week goes along? Right now, the spread is close to a touchdown. 6.5 in favor of the home team, the Cyclones, on Saturday in Ames, Iowa. A very difficult place to go into Jack Trice Stadium and try to get a victory. But Oklahoma State does have the track record for that. They have covered in four straight games. In two of those four games, Joe, they were booked as the underdog, including an outright money line win. On the road in Austin, Texas this past Saturday to remain unbeaten. I also think the ground game, as you look at that total 46 and a half, will be huge. Both of these teams ranking in the top 20 in rushing defense. Brees Hall for Iowa State, one of the most dynamic running backs in all of the country. Can Oklahoma State limit that production out of Brees Hall on Saturday? So many different ways to break down this game. So many different ideas of where this spread might go as we get closer to Saturday afternoon's kick in Ames, Iowa, between Iowa State and now the eighth-ranked team in the country, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Another huge game in the ACC on Saturday as well that I think the casual college football fan looks at and says, what? Huh? Come again? Clemson? An underdog? Clemson? Catching three and a half points against Pittsburgh? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Joe, when do you think the last time the Clemson Tigers were booked as an underdog was? I think we might have to look to 2014, 2013, and beyond because from 2014 till now, entering the season, they were 58 and five straight up against ACC opponents. So they've completely dominated the whole conference for the last seven years. So I would have to say, it might have been maybe against Florida State in 2014 or 2013 Boom. when Jimbo Fisher was there. That was perfect, Joe. Wonderfully done. That is why he is our college football analyst here on SportsGrid. A wealth of CFB knowledge because you have to go back to that 2014 season. Early on in that 2014 campaign when the number 22 Clemson Tigers went on the road to take on then number one Florida State and were 20 and a half point underdogs. 
but it has been a very long time since 2014 since Clemson was booked by at least three and a half points as an underdog. They are getting three in the hook against Pittsburgh this upcoming Saturday. That over-under total, Joe, also is very intriguing to me. It is 46 and a half. Clemson has struggled to put up points offensively. We have seen that time and again this year, even after the bye week, even against my very own alma mater, the Syracuse Orange, this past Friday night. Clemson winning that game, although if Dino Babers was a little bit better at managing the clock, maybe Syracuse could have prevailed. I digress. But Clemson has struggled to put up points offensively. Pitt, meanwhile, the fifth best scoring offense in the country, averaging more than 42.5 points per game. So, Joe, it's almost polar opposites when you look at that over-under total of 46.5. How do you initially break down this matchup between the Tigers and the Panthers? Yeah, there's no thought process with this one. I'm jumping on Clemson plus the three and a half and on the money line. Mm. I understand the dominance of Pittsburgh this year, and they have potentially the better quarterback in Kenny Pickett, but we're talking about a wealth of talent. It's almost like Alabama being an underdog in terms of SEC competition. Clemson has out-recruited every team in the ACC conference, head and shoulders above the rest. The last time that these teams squared off, it was a complete domination. And go back to the ACC championship game a couple of years ago where Clemson just ran at will with Travis Etienne and the offensive line. I know Clemson's offense hasn't looked consistent. I know they can't run the football consistently and, more importantly, can't stretch any defense vertically. But on the road, as an underdog facing Pittsburgh, still a one dimensional offense in terms of the passing game. I don't think Pittsburgh will be able to run on that front seven. And I think Clemson will actually muster up enough intensity playing as an underdog. Dabo Sweeney will utilize that back to back road games. I feel they dominate this ball game and do maybe pull out a seven to 10 point victory on the road. I mean, you know that Dabo Sweeney, if he's not watching this program right now in the morning after, he is taking every press, press clipping he can to say, little old Clemson, booked as an underdog. Nobody believes in us. Let's go pull off the upset on the road in Pittsburgh on Saturday. It really is a battle of two polar opposites. The dichotomy of college football. The fifth best scoring op offense in Pittsburgh going up against the fourth best scoring defense in Clemson, only allowing 14.4 points per game to their opponent. You have Pitt, who has played five of their six games to the over. Clemson has played five of their six games to the under, falling under by 16.5 points per game. That is the largest margin falling under totals on average out of all of college football on the FBS level. You also have Pitt, five and one against the spread, one of 11 teams in college football with only one loss, ATS. Clemson still winless against the number against FBS opponents 0-6 so far this year but it's the first time this year it's the first time in many years Clemson has been booked as an underdog it is going to be as it always is a great Saturday across college football for week number eight the AP poll is out like we mentioned Cincinnati the number two ranked team in the country I asked Joe Lisi a pretty interesting question and buy or sell on the other side of the break stay with us here on the grid SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, 
Closing out our second hour here on a Monday morning on the morning after Sirius XM channel 204 all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And for this second hour, it's been Sports Grid CFB analyst Joe Lisi joining us here for the fun. Looking back on the weekend that was in college football week number seven ahead to week number eight and some huge games to get in front of. Also, the latest AP poll that has the Cincinnati Bearcats ranked as the number two team in the country. So let's ask Joe a question. It's time to play buy or sell. All right, Mr. Lisi, go into the boardroom in Grapevine, Texas, and act as a member <laughs> of the college football playoff committee. Buy or sell that if Cincinnati remains unbeaten, they will make the college football playoff. Are you buying or are you selling that notion? Right now, I'm selling that notion. I think they need more work by some of the teams like Oklahoma to potentially lose a game, obviously Georgia to lose a game, maybe in the cocktail party against Florida, a rivalry game with Georgia Tech. Something needs to happen in the regular season to give Cincinnati a little bit more boost. Even though they're number two overall, I still think that they need major help to get into the college football playoff at the end of the year. Yeah, Joe, I would agree with you. We were just discussing all of the scenarios off air in about a three-minute commercial break, and we could have gone for three hours because there are so many options for Cincinnati to get bumped off. And again, the thing you need to know about college football, you might not like it, but you have to be honest with yourself and look in the mirror. It's about money. It's about ratings. And no group of five team has ever made the college football playoff because the chalk wins the day in college football. That could be, again, the case by the time we get to December and the final four of the CFP are decided. Joe Lisi, the host of College Football Today, each and every Saturday morning, getting you set for the college football slate, pro football full circle, college football full circle on Sirius XM Channel 204 each and every weekday at noon as well. Joe, as always, thank you very much for your time. Anytime, Ben. Love the show. A ton of fun, as always, talking college football. Happy hour, hour number three on the other side of the bridge. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to